story county the mustang still runs free eagle soars above the pinion pines and we know these horses stand for something that is precious and more rare than all the silver and the gold from them old mines so let them run Hi, welcome to Horse Sense 101. I'm your host, Joe Jones, Vale, Oregon's resident redneck and owner of Joe Jones Performance Horses. Horse Sense 101 is a podcast dedicated to helping you have a meaningful relationship with your horse and for them to be a willing partner in all your adventures. The podcast is available every Monday morning at 6 a.m. Mountain Time, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Don't forget to join us on our Facebook group, Horse Sense 101. This week, I am so excited to sit down with one of the most talented horsemen I have ever had the privilege of knowing. Jack McCumber has been involved with horses since he was a child and has made a career as a professional trainer of cow horses as well as a renowned cowboy. He now calls Colorado home, and he and his lovely wife Sylvia ride top-level ranch horses and enjoy the Western life to its fullest. I met Jack when I was in high school, and I was privileged to spend a couple of summers with he and his family, learning from him and learning to love cow horses, and learning as much as a dumb teenage boy can. This gentleman has a profound impact on how I think about horses, and I have been a lifelong fan of his ability and career. I, you know you will appreciate all his wisdom. Don't let his humility fool you. This man is the real deal. Enjoy. And, and I know I know everybody's going to appreciate what you bring to the to the conversation. I mean, honestly, a, a great deal. I know you don't think I was paying attention when I was a rotten high school kid, but a, a lot of what I believe to this very day, I learned from you and Oh my! And and that's well, that's we that's a good get, thing. We should get together. We should get together again then, because I've changed a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, and again, I want to talk about that because I'd like okay. to know what because I, I have this belief now that methods really, you know, methods come and go but principles are what's important. So it's not really in my mind important what you do or how you get a horse to stop or how you get a horse to turn around. But the the principle behind your method, I think, is what is what's important. Um, uh -huh. And so I I mean they say Buster Welch's whole deal was every day was a new day and an experiment. And you know, he was just trying to find different ways to get what done he wanted done. But I, I, I'm pretty sure that his principles remain the same. Right, right. And, yeah. and I bet if we explore it or when we explore it, I'll bet your principles are the same. You just have figured out smarter ways to do things. Well, I, I certainly think... Uh... Yeah, my perspective has certainly changed over the year on on how to 
approach things and I'm not, um, you know, I don't ride as well as I did. And, and so, um, that, that changes how you, that changes how you, uh, present and, and develop a horse. I mean, your, your objective is the same, but I actually think, I actually think the older I've gotten, the the better I've gotten at um, developing a horse. And um, I think we talked about it before, but I am amazed when I get around young people that don't, or younger, that don't, um, the, the development doesn't seem to be the same as as when it was the era of Greg and Ingersoll and and Stan Fonson and th- those guys looked at a, a a long term a big picture and and it it just seems to me today the horse better the horse better get it or they get a different one and I, I, I might I might be wrong in that opinion but. Um, it, it's it seems to be more about fitting the trainer than the trainer developing the individual horse well that that has to be a little bit i mean it has to be true i, I was listening to an interview uh andrea fapani was talking about his program and what he does with his futurity horses and and he starts with 40 horses 40 40 horses in his program and narrows it down to three by the futurity um, you know, there, there has to, you know, what do you do with the ones that don't make it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, uh, I, I'm just amazed. Uh, yesterday we were, we, well, Sylvia sent some pictures of a horse that, uh, we, it, we leased, um, we leased one of our mares to some people. And so the colt's a two-year-old, and uh, he's by one shiny metallic. He's—I haven't seen him for quite a while, but the pictures are just striking. And he—but he's not been started. And the the trainer that she was talking to on the phone said, "Well, he'd be so far behind." And I just thought he's a two-year-old. And I mean, I can remember going to. The first time I made the finals at Reno, um, 30 days before the the futurity, I couldn't spin around. I could work a cow and I could do some stuff, but I didn't. I didn't have my rain work down. And and now I hear these guys talking about, uh, you know, taking their taking their babies down the fence and stuff. And I'm thinking, wow, it it it's a and those guys are under a lot of pressure and they they have to perform and so i don't mean to sound too critical but i i'm well, amazed but, but they're they also think. not looking at the especially in my opinion the rain cow horse thing i i don't think their maturity horses are being prepared to be bridal horses you know the maturity is an end in of itself mm-hmm. And they're not they're mm-hmm. not out there thinking that this is going to be a horse that's going to be shown and he's really going to be special when he's nine. 
Yeah. You know, if he doesn't that, make it as a three-year-old, he's kind of done. Yeah. Yeah. There's probably a lot. There's probably a lot to that. There, there probably is. And, uh, cause I, I know in the cutting uh, world, once they're, once they're no longer eligible for the classic challenge, you know, everybody just gets rid of them and, and wants, you know, the money's in the, in the aged events. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. there's, you can, you can buy an open horse a lot for a lot less money than you can buy a four-year-old. Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. I mean, watch the, watch the NCHA sale, you know, that's of those two-year-olds. It's just, yes, it's just incredible. And he, and even beyond that, what the yearlings, what the yearlings bring. I mean, they'll sell a yearling that might come back uh, a year later in, into the uh, into the futurity sale and bring less. Yes. And and, and uh, so yeah, it's just it's the the prospect deal. People are willing to to spend a lot of money knowing knowing the odds of getting much return is pretty it's pretty you have to be a big player right for sure yeah because yeah. You, you're it's going to take a while before you sell one for seven hundred thousand um, <laughs> you know the the yeah. uh doug doug jordan lives here in 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 close to close to where i do and he sold a two-year-old for that but you know, Doug wasn't doing that when he first, or I said, Doug, I, I, I met Richard Jordan. Um, he, he didn't start out selling horses for that. Um, right. And, and he starts, I think he said 20 some a year and they don't all sell for that. So wow. you're right. You have to have, you have to have a pretty deep pocketbook to put a horse in, you know, to buy a, hundred thousand dollar yearling and then spend another thirty thousand dollars training it to to see yeah. what you can do with it and, and have yeah. half of them wash out yes yes so, so, so Jack, when i oh yeah go ahead oh when i uh i went to work for greg ward in 76 and I was there almost four years, three and a half years. And just to tell you that just the numbers were so different, but there was one barn with, I, I suppose, 18 or 20 stalls. And some of the horses in that barn were there as long as I was there. And I never met the owners. Now I'm going to, I'm not going to say there was a lot of them, but there was, probably four or five of those horses I never met. Plus of the of the others in that barn, seldom did anyone come around. So Joe, this was, it was a different era when the, tr the training, I doubt Greg was charging 200 a month. I think, I think when I went to work for him, he was 150 or 75. And you could you could own a horse and get a uh, ag uh, like a tax shelter thing in the ag agriculture tax you know a tax right uh, thing. So if you think about it, for probably three thousand dollars a year, 
the people had a write-off on their on their taxes, and and those horses were just there. They didn't have to go to a show. They didn't. They weren't expected to do much. Now we, uh, we we worked on them. We we made sure they got out, and and uh, we we worked a cow on them. But they might they might have been a thoroughbred off the racetrack. They they might have been a. Uh, we had. I remember. Uh, I, I still remember a beautiful. Uh, rebel cause horse that had been a you know in the quarter racing deal and and uh but i never did meet the owners of those horses and uh we we used them and we did things with them but they were a, they were a write-off and so to, to to tell you how the the numbers have changed my goodness uh what we've seen over the years where uh you could go to Fort Worth and buy a pretty nice prospect, pretty nice prospect for probably twenty thousand, and that would have been that would have been in the eighties, I suppose, when we were when we were going. And uh, and today, I don't know what that sale average is a hundred over a hundred, you know. So oh, it's got it's got to be over. Um, the horse Austin Shepherd showed last year. Went through for a million fifty thousand the year before. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, yeah. and I wasn't judging, but I really think Austin should have won that. Should have won the futurity on that horse. That that horse won the preliminaries and won the semifinals. And I thought, he, yeah, if I was judging it, I would have put him ahead of of John Mitchell. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's just how the. You know, the money has changed so much. And now I'm not saying it's all good because just for a young American family, the amount of money that that that, that young couple has to earn just to, you know, if you have a, if you're a UPS driver or you're a, you know, you work at Jiffy Lube or, or you work at, you work at the grocery store, the bank. The amount of money that it takes to survive today is just is just overwhelming. It is. It is. I mean, I don't. I don't understand how anybody makes it. I don't. Um, and, and not. And even if you make twenty dollars an hour, I don't see how you could make it. I mean, unless you know your kids work too. Yeah, and everyone carries a lot of debt. That's an accepted thing, and so it's just a it's just a pretty staggering. Uh, gosh, when I look at when I look at horse trainer operations and the amount of expenses they have to be in business, uh, I I just I just have to hand it to them for staying for staying hooked because it would be it it'd be pretty overwhelming um so when when before you became a professional trainer were you were you raised around horses um yes yes but joe um so i grew up only with what you'd call dude horses okay and um we my my parents were 
orange farmers and uh, we had some pasture and we had probably half a dozen geldings all the time, but they were, they were basically hunting horses uh, uh, that went once when my dad went once a year, but I, I did, you know, I, I didn't realize there was a horse show world out there. And so I did a little Jim Canna stuff like a little kid would do. And, uh, I never rode a horse. I never rode a horse that cost more than $200 till I was 25 years old. But there, if I went to my grandparents, there was pictures on the wall and stuff because my father's father, he liked the horse deal and he, uh, he had, he actually had been a founding member of the Pacific Coast Quarter Horse Association. I think there's five, five founding members and he was one of them, but it was a completely different era. So the pictures were of him showing halter horses. And the theory at that time was that the the best looking horse would be the best producer, the best sire, the best producing mare, and that uh, the athleticism would follow, which we know that that plan didn't didn't really come to fruition. But but that was that was where he was at in the program. But by the time I was old enough, he was he was pretty much retired now to the, out of the horse deal. And so uh, again, I just, um, I, we, we, I never did. I never did know that there was, there was a horse show. I, I didn't know. I didn't know there was bridal horses and, and, and that kind of thing. And so, um, I, I went, I just knew, I just knew I wanted out of, out of California and as as soon as I could I went to Montana and and uh I was in school I was in school and Vietnam was was on but uh I mean I wanted to get to Montana where there I knew there were still cowboys and and uh, the land of Charlie Russell and Will James and I wanted to see that before it was gone you know that was that was right. my 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 infatuation and little did i know um it took a long time to discover it all but just driving from california to montana i drove drove through some of the most amazing um ranching country and horsemanship uh development and you know what was going on in northern nevada in in that era in that time was you know that that's where the Dorrances were and that's where Ray Hunt started and and uh so anyway anyway I had to kind of I had to kind of go go to Montana and realize you know it's great great place to it's great place beautiful country and and there's lots of good cowboys but man you are cold for a big part of the year and oh. uh, it it is and, brutal. Yeah, it is so brutal. And I wound up, I wound up back in California, strangely twenty miles from where I'd been raised when I when I went to work for Greg, um, 
And, so and, what and what made I you studied. decide you wanted to become a, a, a trainer? I mean, being a cowboy is one so, thing, but yeah. So uh, a fella that I had grown up with, and again, I I grew up in basically a farming community, but a fella that I'd grown up with uh, rodeoed and and went to work for Gray, and I. I contacted him. I don't know why, but that was when you wrote letters and stuff, you know, and, and, uh, yeah. And I contacted him because, uh, kind of a long story, but, uh, I had those ranch jobs and I tried to work for family and that, that didn't go well, not their fault, mine, but it didn't go well. But, um, ranch, ranch wages were, you know, depending on what they, what the uh, benefits were, but it was probably two to four hundred dollars, and and uh, and you got meat, milk, and eggs, and maybe you could have a couple of horses. Or, but anyway, I saw, uh, I saw what happened to fellas that were uh, getting in their sixties and couldn't couldn't really do their their job that well and uh and so they 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 had no security okay they had they had no security in in that in those ranches that they really invested their life in and and so here i had this friend uh working for a horse trainer and he said oh yeah i you know i'll I'll probably be on my own before long. And I thought, okay, okay. I can still be around horses and cattle because I, I wanted to, I wanted to learn the, the cow working or cutting and cutting. I didn't know anything about, but I, I, I knew they worked cattle and, and you could basically have a cowboy lifestyle, uh, but in a, in a much different environment where you weren't um you 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 weren't putting up hay and fencing and you know the focus was on the on the livestock and and that i thought you know what i could i could i could do this and and um when i went to work for greg uh there was a lot of things i learned an awful lot of things i learned but one of the things he told me was it i don't care how you do it it's going to take you 10 years before you can be uh, self-sustaining and, and making a living. And it won't be real good, but you, but you will be able to make a living. And, and I thought, well, nothing, nothing else I know about promises you to be that you can be uh, self-employed in 10 years. So it, it looked, it looked real good to me. And, um, I worked, I worked really hard to accomplish that. And while there was, there's pitfalls to the horse training deal, I am, I am glad that I did it because my children got to be, to expose, got to be exposed to more than had we have just been on a ranch somewhere. And it's not all good, but it's not all bad. And they got to they got to go and see and do things that we would have never we would have never done and they got to they got to meet 
people that were successful. And I, I just think the exposure for the for the the family or the children was was good. And and a lot of tr- horse trainers will confess to you that. Uh, that it's a business that's hard on families, and that and that may be, but it might it it may also involve or depend a lot on the on the individual and how they conduct themselves. And uh, and I think for for my family, it was a plus. <clears throat> well, as you know, speaking speaking as a as someone that stayed with you and and your family for for some time when you were, when you had young kids, uh, you, you guys seemed to me to be about as happy as, as a family could possibly be. I mean, you had, you had everything you needed. You were riding really nice horses on a really pretty place. I mean, it just, to me, it was, it was everything I, I would ever want as a kid. Um, I, I, I still to this day cherish the time that I spent with you and your family. And so I, I understand what you're saying um, about how special that is for, you know, the environment for your kids and, and you're not as isolated as a ranch family would be. Right. That's what I'm, that's what, that's surely what I'm getting at. Um, you, you, you know, you're, um, uh, there's certain, oh, for instance, say you go to Reno, say you go to Reno well there's going to be evenings the kids the kids get to eat at a really nice restaurant that um that they they wouldn't normally get to do there's they're going to meet they're going to meet people that um that uh are winners okay and and uh learn learn from those experiences so hey Joe yes <laughs> you hear the back in the background sounds like somebody's we're, somebody's somebody's beating their way into something we're, we're getting a hail we're getting a hail storm oh <laughs> and, really uh, and I'm, in, I'm in a tin building and i i cannot get out of it oh gosh <laughs> no that's like it's okay it's okay um let it me makes, uh, hey joe I'm yes. gonna, I'm gonna run. I'm gonna, I thought it'd be quiet in that building, and I'll run over here and get in my pickup. That'll probably don't, be don't get hurt. Oh no, no, no. But um, okay, it'll it'll be quiet. That that hail hitting that tin was. I couldn't even hear you. So. I saw so a anyway, car on the news this morning and a, a baseball sized chunk of hail hit the windshield and put a hole um, in the windshield that you could stick your fist through. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's devastating. And we are so dry here. I mean, we we're green, but it's, it's uh, not nearly, we haven't had nearly enough moisture yet. And, and, uh, and then we get, and we get hail. You get it in great big oh, chunks. Uh, well, now it's going to try to rain, and the the hail's the 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 hail's kind of maybe over with. But anyway, can uh, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I can hear you. 
Yep, I can hear okay. you. Okay. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I just, I just think that, that for my, for the family, um, uh, plus, uh, they, the, the kids got to ride and do things, um, with horses that they, they wouldn't have done had I been a ranch hand somewhere, you know, they just, you, you just, I, I just don't think, I, I just don't, especially if we'd stayed in Montana, I just don't think they'd have been exposed to, to the, the, what a horse can do. And, and so Joe, even for myself, so I was 25 when I went to work for Greg, but prior to that, I had seen some pictures of cow horses and stuff like you'd see it in a Western horseman or something. And I had just resigned that I would never get to experience that. I would never get to, never get to, to, uh, to be around that caliber of, of individual or, or that caliber of horse. And then when I finally real, realized, or when I came to the conclusion for me that just to be someone's employee for a lifetime wasn't, wasn't going to be, it wasn't going to be enough. And, and, and then, and when I discovered there was an avenue to be self-employed and, and that all changed. And, and so then you go through, uh, and I, I think it, it I think it's something that happens to almost everyone, but you go through a, a thing of just appreciating any good that you get from a horse and being content with that to demanding more and it's pressure from owners. It's pressure from the schedule of uh, upcoming shows or events, but you, you get, you, you get to where you're, you're pretty hard. And I, and, and I thought that, and it, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm like, I learned this from Greg. I think I did it to myself, but that if you weren't putting pressure on a horse, you weren't, you weren't pushing hard enough. Okay. And, and so it wasn't, until after I was on my own and after I, I, uh, like when you were around, r around us, when we were in Idaho and stuff, but I got to meet Gary Belafonte and, and when I, when I went and worked with him, uh, and he, and he was so, you know, they were just gracious to help. He and Alicia were just so nice to help me be, be willing to help me. But a, a completely different attitude about working a horse and um and i'm sure buster had a had a played a big role in that but um uh, there there was i i don't know if i can explain it well but there was almost no f emphasis on the style or how a horse needed to move it was simply to encourage them to control the cow 
to control a cow and reward them when they did that. And that would be far different from training a rain cow horse where there has to be a certain style and there has to be a, a more a certain amount of control when you take one down the fence and you make that that turn or that stop and turn at a high degree of speed and a high degree of difficulty and and uh, and uh, and maintain an eye appeal and all of that see a totally totally different approach to training and so uh you know i'm glad I, i'm glad i got to experience that now when when you when you were around us i was a horse trainer okay and i and i had a nice a nice little career and and uh, i'm proud of my record and what i won but but uh then uh we had gone back to california and and i made a career decision that would later come to affect me and and what i did was i thought i i was i was winning a little and i was doing okay but um i thought if i just had a, a good facility i could i could really be i could i could accomplish what i want so i took a job when when i did that i abandoned my customer base and when that when that job ran out you know the 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 people came became disenchanted with with my capabilities and and i was i i got tired of of not being able to be successful enough um when it was over i didn't have anything to fall back on and and so i decided i better i don't i don't need to keep moving my family around i better i better change my approach so i i just went to day working and we had personal horses and i just went to day working but i i did continue to give give lessons to like club level people so that right. was good day work day work at that time paid $40 a day but I could get home in time to give a few lessons and we we had a little place where we could keep some cattle and Joe I I gave lessons on cattle that were absolutely trained to be to to be good enough to give a lesson on I mean it was they were robots okay and and so but the the people enjoyed it and 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 so when I stepped away from being a horse trainer uh it was 20 years before I, almost 20 years before I showed a horse again when we and by then we were in Colorado but I we never quit working horses we were always we we always had we we always had a few mares and we we had a few colts all the time that we were we were working and whether they were whether they went to some rancher as a as a nice using horse or maybe they went to maybe they went to somebody that went on with them to the futurities or something we never quit we never quit working horses so in these later later years it uh those lessons that I gave so long ago and stuff, it prepared me to be able to go 
you know, go do a versatility clinic and and uh, be able to explain how you developed a horse. And and so while I while I left uh, being a trainer and and um, and the uh, fulfillment it gave me from when you did when you did have a nice three year old that you'd made and you you had some earnings on it and stuff. While I I left that, we never did we never did really abandon um, trying to make nice horses. Uh, that's just that's just been objective all my life. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so well, what? Like, right. What do you think? What do you think? Or how does? How did your development of horsemanship? Because I, I, I know you to be one of the one of the best horsemen I've ever seen in my life. Um, and I mean, you can credit that to wherever you want to credit. I'm sure some of it was learned, and some of some of what you developed yourself. But, but how, what do you? What do you think? has defined your your search for horsemanship I, I don't know if that's a very good question but um well s- certainly certainly my exposure to greg ward in that he um he was he 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 he, he dearly loved his horses and while observers would tell you he could be pretty tough on one um he he there were times he might have been when there was a lot of pressure on him and the shows were coming up or something he might have he might have overdone it but his his basic love for a horse uh i i got to see him do some things that were just it, it it's just hard to explain and so that that had a tremendous impact on me but greg also uh, while I was an employee, but he liked he liked coffee time in the morning before and and just to talk. Okay, he he liked that, and and uh, I think it I think he liked to verbalize ideas he had, and when you sit and listen to that kind of stuff, it it does give you a perspective of of a thought process and 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 how to how to approach things and and while uh, while some of those conversations were probably uh i ide- idealistic it still it still gets in your head that that you don't uh it's it's just not a, a mundane mechanical approach to to writing every day it's that you 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 can have you can have ideas and and apply techniques and and uh, it's ever changing and i and i and i think that's i think that's a real good thing now when you talk about horsemanship when i moved to idaho if i think of the people that that I I got I got to be in their circle. So if I think about Jim Rozier and George Dines, um, uh, Doug on uh, Bob Robinson, I'm gonna I'm I would tell you that all of those all of those people I'm I'm forgetting some, but all of those people were better horsemen 
than I was. And yet, uh, when we got to the show pen, I was a little better prepared. And I think, I think that was because there, the, you, would you have ever known a fellow named Newt Wright? Yes. Okay. Yes, I know. Well, Newt, Newt Wright would come every winter and spend about a month with us at Greg's. And now there was a deep thinker, okay? And so while I while I give Greg a lot of credit, Newt, Newt even took it to a different level in the thought process. And I think he had a big impact on, uh, and Greg talked about it too, but knew had a big impact on me in that uh, he, <laughs> he explained better than Greg probably that you had to have a metal picture of what you were trying to do. And to not make it so complicated, but keep that metal picture in your mind of 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 what you the type of horse that you wanted to present and and the total picture of how you would look doing it and uh and and so that 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 was instrumental um then also going back to when i mentioned gary belafont um so if you have heard gary explain Buster's technique. Uh, Buster didn't think about horse training. He he just thought about having a a nice horse that could control a cow. He he didn't think about right that he had that he had to train a horse to do that. Okay, and so when you when you when you put when you put all of that together, uh, so. Right now, I have a three-year-old, and I haven't had a three-year-old for a long time. It's been years, and she's not going to be going to futurities. She's not. Uh, she's not real big. She's not little either. She's she's bigger than probably your average average futurity cutting horse. But but anyway, I've gotten <laughs> I've gotten heavier. I'm not I'm not obese, but I'm I'm heavier, and and so I don't. I don't try to, I don't try to do a lot with her, but she's getting to be real confident on a cow and I haven't done much. So I, every time I saddle a horse, I think about what Greg Ward told me. And yet when I work a horse, I think it's more about building the confidence in the horse, which I learned probably better from Belafonte. And so, um, you know, horsemanship, that's a tricky deal because, because there's, there like, there's, there's so, I, I got to be, I got to meet so many great horses. I mean, I knew two of the Dorrances and Ray Hunt would come ride with us at Greg's once in a while. Um, and he was just developing his clinic deal. And so I, I couldn't, I couldn't get along with the kind of horses that they, that they, um, you know, they, those guys had a reputation of, 
of working problem horses. Well, I, I wasn't, I wasn't good at that. And yet I think, I think I learned to develop. I, I think I learned to develop a horse with, without applying a, a lot of pressure. Now, um, I, I don't, I don't know if that's right or not, but, um, I know I've reached an age where when I get around the younger guys, so if I do go to a, a club cutting or something, uh, they, they don't, they, they don't have much use for, for what I know. And yet, and yet as far as confidence in a horse, I, I, I would match mine against anything they're doing. Uh, just because again, what I mentioned before, those guys are under a, a lot of pressure and they have to perform and the, the owners have a lot invested and, and the, I don't, I don't have, I don't have that scenario. I don't have those issues to deal with. So it makes it completely different. <laughs> I, I think, I think I, though I, it's, I, explain that well. I, 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 do, I, I can, I can see exactly, at least I think I can see exactly what you're talking about in, in the horse that Gary won the futurity on. Um, I, I've, yeah. I've never seen anything like that in my entire life. And I've, I've missed a few futurities, but, but I've seen most of them. And that uh -huh. is the only time I've watched a man cut a cow. Like you would cut one outside out of a road deer and trot, trot your horse away from the herd behind a cow and drive it out there and drop your hand. And, and that's how it gets done. You know, if you're out on, if you're out on the range you know, if you're cutting to a gate, that's, that's how it works. You, if you get, see one that's kind of going where you want them to go, you don't pedal around. You, you take that volunteer and you drive him away from the herd. Um, and yeah. I watched him, I watched a man win the futurity riding a horse that I'll bet's more fun to sort on than any, any of the other entries in the whole dang futurity. And yeah, you know, he, I, I don't get, I don't get the opportunity to talk to Gary much. He's, he's, um, he lives where they don't get good cell service and, and, uh, I've got his, his number and his wife's number. And, and, uh, I just, I just haven't got to visit with him, but I did get to talk to him, um, right after the futurity, right after he won the futurity. And he told me that was the smartest. That's the smartest horse he's ever worked and and that's saying something i mean he right he, he won he won the futurity on pep to boone's mall and i remember him saying at the time he, he's just the strongest little peppy that there's ever been and i thought well my my word you've ridden a lot of them but then uh and and then in an interview i heard austin shepherd say uh, they, uh, this has been recently, they asked him, uh, I think what, what three horses would he, um, think are, are going to dominate the breeding program in the next, in the next, in the near future. And, and one of the ones he, he named was Gary's horse simply because of his intelligence. And so then, um, in May, so last month we got to meet the man who owns 
metallic ray mink and and uh very very nice man and i can't tell you his name but anyway he was just he was so nice and and wonderful to visit with and he told us that um gary hauled the colt to his place and they they had cattle for him to work and and uh gary had worked this horse five times and he was a two-year-old, still a two-year-old, and he worked him flat across the pen. Oh my! Now, Lord. yeah, and he said, he said he just looked like a cotton horse, and he was a two-year-old. And I know Gary, Gary roped outside cattle and and did things on him that most trainers would be terrified to do, and. Uh, think about uh think about the number of top tier trainers that their two year olds might not have even been on a cow much they're 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 jumping them around on a flag every day you know and it's just um and so that i mean i did yeah i talked to chubby turner a couple of weeks ago and that's exactly what he said with with the with uh austin shepherd and and lloyd cox and a lot of those guys are are doing the vast majority of their schooling on the flag um he yeah. said he said lloyd had like 30 head of cattle is all he had in his place yeah i've i've heard that yeah yeah so um so joe like when when i work when i work a young horse and and i always i always have a few cattle around and i i like sour cattle i like cattle that have are been used a lot and and uh but but there that it i don't think it can be explained but when i go to the my pen to work I, I almost never work more than two cows, almost never. But but I will spend a lot of time because the cow the cattle are usually not very good, sour and stuff. I'll spend a lot of time just moving the herd around and dinking around. And everything I do, I try to apply it to what I'd be doing in a pasture or in a working setting or or even uh i don't do it now but if even if i if i hauled a colt to the sale barn and had to bring up a pen of cattle uh, i i try to i try to i try to apply that same mindset to what i do in my pen uh and and the the horse without being pulled around and told to go jump over there and do this or that and and without without doing any of that without with with just riding around the cattle and and if you're aware of one thing it's that the the horse stays low-headed because that's really to me really important and uh for some reason they get better now the trainer he doesn't have the kind of time to dink around like i do but in in my situation i i take advantage of that that 
and I, I've even told people they want to come for lessons and stuff, and they don't have any idea of how to handle cattle. And I, and I've told people, you know, it wouldn't cost you that much. You, you've got a big enough pen at your house. Go buy three or four head at the sale barn. You could buy three or four Holstein calves for and not have five hundred dollars in the whole deal. And you would, if if you if you had the right mindset, you could learn a lot before you ever come get a lesson from me. And and uh, you know, just 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 if you just try to think about having a confident horse and having a horse that wants to come back to you and and uh and and when when you feel the horse get worried to back off and and uh if you learn if you learn all of those things then um then you know i think i and i think that's i think that's the same I think that's the same attitude that a, a Belafonte or I don't even know. I, I watched Austin Shepard in the practice pen one time at a cutting here in Colorado where I was just doing taking care of the cattle. And the the guy was just silk and he and he's about to go in and show show that horse in the show pen and yet he never put pressure on the horse it, it, it was it was amazing to watch buster I, said I that, that, that that is the best horse trainer he has ever seen in his life he i guess austin came and worked the horse for buster and, and he said in just a short time he didn't you know he wasn't mean to the horse he didn't he didn't get after the horse he just everything he did was perfect and the timing was perfect and like you just was just yeah very smooth and silky <clears throat> yeah yeah so i i don't i don't want to sound i don't want to sound condemning but when i i watch so many young guys that that, that think they have to um that they have to dominate the the horse if if that's the right word and the horse has to perform in a certain manner well that that might that might be a horse that can't perform in that manner and and that 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 they want and so the horse goes down the road and um yeah i mean we can we can talk about the great the great trainers that um that that win so much and yet um i think there's i think there's a lot of I think those guys had a lot of washouts that you don't know about and God forbid that I sound condemning. And yet, um, because I can't beat any of them. Okay. I, I, I can't, I couldn't win. I could not get a check at an NCHA event. And yet, uh, and yet I think, so here's an example, Joe, year after year after year, I would watch, that weeks before the futurity, the trainer was down to showing his wife's horse. He, he had he had gone through all of his, and he and he was going to wind up showing his wife's horse. Now, why is that? Because the wife 
wrote, she loped the horse and then the, the trainer worked the horse and then she, she rode the horse around the place and she sat on the horse and she spent time on the horse and she loved the horse. Does, what's that tell you? Okay. That the, the, the horse is an, is an individual that responds to time invested, I think. And again, I, I wish, I wished I could, I wished I thought of myself as a great horseman and I wished I thought I could go win something, but, um, it's, that's, that's just not it. But, but, uh, but, but, but in, the, things... in the, the other side of that, Jack, though, what do your horses say? I mean, well, that's, that's, yeah, that, so that's, that's the part that that's the reason I, I reached out to you. And the reason I think you have, you have so much to offer is because, because I mean, there, there, we can't all be the greatest horse trainer in the world, but each and every person listening to this can be better to their horse. I hope. Yeah. I, I, I hope, I hope that would be, that would, that I could be helpful in that regard. Yeah. And just, and so, just hearing that, that, that maybe back off and take the time it takes and don't get so worried about getting to the result immediately. You know, may, maybe that'll be useful to somebody. It, it's certainly something I need to work on. Well, and, and the, the, again, I think I, I have such sympathy for how hard the trainers have to work to make a living and, and, uh, um, you know, I, I re so Joe, I remember a long, long time ago, I was, uh, probably had been to Reno a time or two, but I was sitting in a group of, of, uh, Benny was there and I, I don't remember who, who else, but there was a young guy rode in and he was kind of like me. He was probably there with one or two horses and and he was good. He was real good. And Benny said, okay, okay. He's, he's good this year. What's it going to be like next year when he's, when he's trying to get six or eight of them shown? Well, so that, so that's the luxury that I have. I, I've got, you know, I've got one, I've got one young horse. I've got, I've got one or two that I might, um, uh, I've got a couple of geldings that are probably four or five years old that maybe I'll, maybe I'll try to go to some ranch horse contest or something, but that's primarily to market them. And, and so I have the luxury of not having to ride a lot of horses. And I think that's getting back to Gary. That's why he was so great with on, on, on that horse is time invested. And he didn't, he didn't, ruin his attitude in the pen he could get him out and and uh do just do jobs with him and uh um so i i for a few years i was pretty close to gary gonzalves and and uh he would come to a place i was in the mountains and and uh i took care of the cattle and he trained for the owner of the place and and uh gary i mean he he 
look at how much he won with raising the cash, and that's a premier stallion today. But right. but Gary doesn't. He doesn't want to go for a ride. He he wants to he wants to work in that pen, and he works really hard. But when he's gotten through his colts, he he wants to go fishing or something. He he didn't uh, like his uh, his wife or daughter might might go with me to move the next day's cattle or something up for him, you know, but he didn't, he wasn't interested in that. And, and, uh, and I, and I think it kind of affects what he does. I, I, what he accomplishes, but, but you, you know, I'm not, I, I don't, I don't want him to think that I, I would be critical of him because the level of excellence that he achieved in the pen it was it was amazing it, it it was amazing but but uh and he would uh he like he, there were certain colts that he would have his help make sure they got outside on you know did other things on but i'm not so sure that he didn't need to do that as well and and uh and he, but he didn't and i th- i think that's probably the majority of uh, I remember in the eighties, in the eighties, um, that when the when there was a day off, like if we were at a circuit or something at a cutting, uh, the guys didn't want to the guys didn't want to ride; they wanted to go play golf. And I remember being at uh, a cutting in at Ross Borba's, and Pat Patterson was there. And I think Dodge was there and and stuff, but there was a there was a day off. So some of us, uh, I think, I think uh, Little John Hoyt probably arranged because he was a. It might have been Rick Mowry, but he had arranged to have some practice cattle for us to mess around with, or he let us use his his uh, used cattle or something. Anyway, we we just messed around with our horses. Nobody, nobody, I don't remember anybody really being a, a trainer, but you know who we had turning back for us and, and riding all day long was Pat Patterson, you know? And, and, uh, it, it was, it, I think it was getting back to what I keep bringing up. You spend, you spend, you invest time in the individual and it, it's beneficial for you. I mean, that that's something that, that when I came back to horses, I came back to it remembering and, and not being so focused on trying to win cuttings, but remembering how much I love horses. And, and that certainly kept me a lot softer. Um, I remember somebody used to tell me all the time that I needed to be a lot more polite. And I've spent a lifetime trying to be more polite to my horses. Um, And hopefully, hope to God I've made progress. But that I think is hard to do if you're, if you're not, if you don't like horses. Well, and, and I, I have to work on that every time I ride. So I'm one of the slowest individuals I've ever been around in my life. I'm slow at everything. And yet Gary, Gary won, and I was showing it was, this would have been the eighties. I was showing, and he said, you have got to slow your hands down. Well, 
everything I did was slow. And then with, with a horse, my hands are too fast. <laughs> and so yeah. I remember another time. So, so, uh, so one of the things that Greg, that Greg told me that I, I think is, I, I still, I still play it in my mind to this day is, if if I am going to go somewhere, so like there's a club cutting coming up in a couple weeks and I, and I can take my filly to the two handed class. And, but, but I never think, I, I never think about winning. I, I, that never, I never thought about that from Greg. I learned that we, we strive for perfection and, and if, and, and if you, if you take the, the winning picture out and that you're just, you're just trying to, you're just that it's a personal pursuit. It's a, you have personal goals that you're trying to, to accomplish. And I, I think that, I think that will help your horsemanship. And then Gary one time told me, and I mean, he was winning. I mean, he was at the top of his game and he said, if there was just one day, if there was just one day that I could go to the arena and not have to work on myself, I would feel accomplished. So that, that's an, to me, that was an incredible statement. Cause yes. I, I, if I was aware of it, maybe, but I had never heard anyone say it. And I don't, I don't think I don't think the average horse trainer would tell you they have to work on their self. I could be I could be wrong because I don't get around them. I, 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 I you know, I'm I'm not in conversation with with. Cushing's or Kelby Phillips or that caliber of people. And but I don't I don't hear people talk about what they what they have to what they have to work on themselves, you know, about what they're doing. And yet, if you, if you ride around your, if you just walk around on your horse and think about where your legs are or what your feet are doing, if you're in time with the horse at a walk, if you're comfortable, relaxed, and then, and then build from that. And I know it sounds, I know that sounds idealistic, but so I'm, I'm, I'll be 71 next month and something I have really had to be, be aware of lately and, and, and constantly check in with myself is where, what, where my legs are, because I don't think I'm riding as relaxed as I, as I used to. I think I'm hanging on more and I have to constantly remind myself to be relaxed and, and sit soft, sit in the sit in the bottom of the seat and and uh and and so I, I, you know and if you I, didn't I have think that's, 38 inch length legs that's probably easier to do for for people that are built like gary than that are built like us but nonetheless it becomes <laughs> even more important you know for because that oh, gosh i struggle with that oh my lord to to try and yeah. keep my my legs relaxed and yet have my yeah. stirrups picked up far enough 
that I can use a horse is just excruciating. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you just never, uh, I think I've, I, I think I've, I think one of the things that I've just been blessed to have is to be exposed to people that were, that were always questioning. And I, I know Greg had a little blue book, uh, and I wish I could remember it, but it's uh, like it printed in England and it's like, uh, you can still see it in, in, uh, bookstores or, or, or online and stuff. I, I, I think it's basics of horsemanship. And I never read the whole thing clear through because, um, I thought after the first portion of it or the first few chapters, it really didn't apply to our style of reigning or star, our style of writing. It, it dealt with dressage, I thought more. And, but Greg, Greg read it all the time. He, and he, he, he said, I would, I will, I will read a page and just think about it. So, and what it, what it's talking about is the the suppleness in the body that you have to have in order to ride to ride well. So mm-hmm. when I when I got involved, so after so many years, and I got involved in um, in the Ranch Horse Association, um, it was it was cowboys, it was working cowboys. It was an event catered to them, designed for them, and none of them rode softly. Okay, especially especially back here in the Midwest and Texas. And of course, the when I first started judging for them, the events were in Texas, and it really hasn't spread much. But but uh, the style of riding has changed uh, because people like Trip Townsend and and uh Kelsey Thomas and and some of them um have have gone and done the rain cow horse thing too where you have to you have to ride a little differently but but uh my goodness that uh, you, you you know them you know as many of them as I do that the cowboy pushes on his stirrups and, and right uh, right it's a totally it's a totally different yeah i watched uh, those guys riding those wade saddles wondering how the hell do you stay on that horse um <laughs> i know because I, know. <laughs> I, I i'll be i'll be flat honest with you if i try and ride a wade saddle i'm gonna fall off if the horse turns yeah oh. i don't know how they do it. and uh but i and and then again i i got to being exposed to Newt Wright. I mean, he, he understood the difference and he was a, he was a buckaroo. My goodness. He knew about 60 and 70 mile circles. Just ask Annie Reynolds, you know, and right. Uh, right. She, she no, and was, she, and she, she still she, holds him in, in, I mean, even though things didn't work out, she still holds him in the highest regard. Oh yeah. Oh gosh. Oh yeah, Newt. But Newt was a thinker now. <laughs> so, so he under he understood that and the, the difference in the, uh, 
I, I know he explained it to me, the difference of how a cowboy rides versus how a, uh, how a trainer has to ride. And so, so yeah, that does, uh, it's a very different and, and, uh, even, even though I didn't get to be around them that much, I knew them. Think of the, think of the mindset or the, uh, or the things that they had to learn to accept to get the most out of the horse. Uh, think of the Dorrances and, and Ray Hunt. I mean, uh, Ray, Ray, what, when I was around him, he rode very softly and he got a lot out of a horse. Now the knock on him, they said was he, he didn't show, he didn't show real well. Well, I think, I think Ray won the cow palace. I think he had some, some earnings to his credit, you know, there are those that would say the thing about say the same thing about Tom Marvel and, Mm-hmm. I promise you, Tom Marble could train a cutting horse. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, Tom. Tom was a unique individual, and and uh, and and he he was far better with a horse than he was people, for sure. But he loved his horses, and and uh, gosh. When I think about the things he told me, so I'm, I'm just just so glad I got to be around those those kind of people and and uh, you know in the rain cow horse in the rain cow horse deal while uh, I didn't have a great appreciation for its founding, um, I, when I went to work for Greg in 76, I think the first futurity had been in 72. So it was, all of that was in its infancy. And I, I knew the guys that have uh, been instrumental in, in. And Greg was, Greg was more known as a, as a cutting horse trainer, right? I mean, he'd won the futurity twice. So, I mean. Yeah. He, 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 he was, uh, he was probably um, he 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 pro, he pro uh, the, in the period I worked for him, he was probably the winningest individual that went to Reno as well as the NCHA futurity. I mean, um, you know, Tom Lyons, he went to Reno as well on Docs Oak, but he he wasn't. I don't think he was thought of uh quite like greg and uh, you know tom tom wouldn't have been known for great bridal horses and and right. things like that yeah so a little different ingersoll um i remember him catch riding one for greg um at fort worth um and again you know ingersoll just le- loves a horse that works well and and is confident in what he does and so so anyway, I, I'm just very lucky I got to be exposed to all of that. And and uh, when I when I think about the the cutters that I that I got to be around um, that still had an appreciation for what the working cowboy or what the what the the cutting horse did on the ranch. 
you know, I'm glad I got to, I'm glad I got to know some of those guys because that there wouldn't be, there wouldn't be many of them left. No, I mean, and I, I still remember as a kid, I mean, until, until I was much older, the, the best cutting horse I ever saw with my eyes was Doc's Holy Remedy. And the things that I saw him do before you took him to Fort Worth, I didn't think horses could do. And, and I remember you telling me you'd gone and run 50 head of steers on him one weekend and, and team roped on him. And, you know, in my day, that just simply was not done. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. If you, if you could, you can't have overs, but if you could have overs, I, I that would have been, that would have been a nice one to get again. <laughs> yeah. He, he was a wonderful individual and, and Joe, that's a, that was an experience that I thought I would do again. I mean, we, he, he was the first, he was the first two-year-old we ever bought, did not have the money to buy him. Uh, it was, it was insane. And uh, <laughs> Jim Page, who owned Remedy, he, he, they carried me for a year. And, uh, you know, after a year was gone, I still didn't know how I was going to pay for him, but somehow we did. And, and, uh, but anyway, you know, I just, I, I just took it for granted that no big deal. If we sell him or something, we'll, we'll get another one. And, and, uh, it was a phone call. I'd left Greg's, but, um, I, I kind of told him that <laughs> and Greg let me know, Hey, you, you better get it through your head that, that they don't come along every day, every day. <laughs> So yeah, I remember and, Buster and, Welch tells a story about Marion's girl that uh, you know when the year he was campaigning her for the world, all of his friends had come up and tell him what a wonderful horse he was riding and how lucky he was. And he said, I, you know, I kind of got bowed up because after all, I trained that mare. And he said, after Marion's girl was retired, I ruined 400 horses trying to make another one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so true, so true. And so, um, that makes me think of Sand Starlight. Okay. So, so I had quit training and Rose's called and they had bought a gray Starlight Philly and wanted to know if I'd ride her. And I really didn't want, I didn't want her. I didn't want to be a trainer. I didn't want to, I didn't want to disappoint them when it was futurity time and she wasn't ready. And, and, uh, but, but Larry just kept, he just kept bugging me until I said, okay. So if, so I didn't, I didn't win. I think I, I, I got to go to three futurities. And then they took her from me, which was, which was fine. We had moved to Colorado. It was not going to work for me to keep her, but I think, well, her grade, her, her greatest accomplishment was her production record. But after, after they took her from me, they took her from me after Pacific coast and 
because I, I didn't, I didn't make the finals. I didn't do any good, but she went from there. Uh, Greg Wright got her and she was fifth at the super stakes. Okay. Now that I kind of have to take a little credit for because Greg, Greg was, he was doing very well and he, and he was, he was, that's wonderful that he, he did so well on her at the super stakes, but he, nobody makes one their way in five months. Okay. No. And that's basically what happened. So, so I have to take a little bit of credit for that. And again, San Starlight, she was just a nice sorrel filly. And I admired the, the balance that she had. And that when Joe, it's, a, it's hard to explain, but when, when she had a hold of a cow, you felt it right through her withers. It was, it was an incredible feeling. And, and, uh, I mean, she controlled a cow with her body and, and, uh, and so while I didn't get to win a lot on her, she, I think she's still in the top four or five of all time producing mares. And, um, and, sh- and she made money for every person that owned her. She made money for roses. Uh, she made a lot of money for Jeff Barnes and, um, as you know, she, she had daughters that were, that, that won a quarter of a million and sold for a quarter of a million. And, uh, two of her daughters that I, that I know about traded again. And I think one of them for about half a million and one of them for 800,000. So I'm just, I'm just really, really glad that I got to be a part of that. And, and I didn't, I was day working on her. I, I didn't, I didn't work a cow at home that much. I, I was day working on her and, uh, and she, you know, when we were shipping and stuff, she was loading trucks and doing everything that one of those horses needs to do again, time invested and, and uh, I guess that'll always be stuck in my head. So if we were to if we were to put a put a billboard, you're now entering Colorado. Um, invest time in your horse might be your billboard. I suppose. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. Don't. Don't worry about winning and and uh, strive for perfection and invest time in your horse and. And uh, be be aware. Uh, now, now, Sylvia criticizes me all of the time. All the time that uh, that I'm too quick with my colts and I get them flinchy. And uh, and I I'm aware of that in that I think it's part of uh, it's part of my uh, declining ability. You know, at my age that that. Uh, I I think I tend to worry more than, you know, if a colt if a colt jumps or something that, and I'm not riding I'm not riding a string of colts, but uh, if a, a young horse they're going to shy at stuff and and I probably tend to overreact now where I I used to be able to it used to be easier for me to let it go, but um, 
but my filly, my fill, my little filly's real confident. You know, she doesn't worry about much. She thinks, she thinks she can work a cow, and and I haven't, I haven't done, I guess, anything to convince her yet. She can't. <laughs> well, <laughs> the the day, the day work has to. I mean, for for me, I, I I'm glad they pay me to do it once in a while because I would I would gladly do it for free. Um. Yeah. just for what it does yeah. for the horses yeah that actual having yeah. having to worry about you know getting the cows through that gate and not having to worry about anything other than this is what we're doing and they learn by doing that job right yeah and i think um uh buster and this is like i try to I try to I I try to tell people if in those little versatility clinics and and uh, I I try to teach them or tell them to when you ride your horse think of a job you can do even if it's just going to your mailbox so I don't know if a Gary would have told me but Buster he he had lopers but he made them go check a windmill or or go check a salt uh, a mineral feeder or something he go lope the horse but do a job as well and i and and i think you i think you ride a little differently if you're just if you're just loping circles hoping one gets tired versus i i got to i got to get over there two miles away and, and, uh, and, and make sure that, that the cattle haven't got that fence down again. You know, if you get, if you have to do things like that, I think you ride differently. And so I always try to preach that, try to think of any little job that you can, that you can do. Yeah. That's, that's, I, 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 I know that helps me. Um, I, I think it takes me about 15 seconds to irritate a horse just trying to lope circles on him. I, I think my horses, I know my horses get really tired of me really quickly. And, and when I go to lead one to the round pen and they hesitate to walk through the gate, I know it's time to not be riding in the round pen. Yes. Yes, and if you if you go to a a cutting, because that's where they lope the most. But if you go to if you go to a cutting, just watch those horses as they go by you. The look in their eye and stuff. It's it's uh, it's not the same as a horse that's doing a job. It, it it's it's different. Now now. I, I get around I get around uh quite a few people that doing a job they'll get their horse too worried okay so that that's that's not always the answer you have to you have to know how to have the right approach for sure okay and uh but but it it's uh just just trying to get one tired is not not a good not a good approach i don't think no i mean and and uh, i i think i mean for me 
when when I'm working with cattle, I tend to worry less about my horse and worry more about about being where where I need to be to keep the cattle calm. And and I find that that keeps my hands quiet. I'm not making you know trying to make big. I try and I try and put my horse where it needs to be before he actually has to be there and 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 have wrecks. Um, yeah. And I think that that is why I get so much more done, you know, doing jobs than than just going in loping circles. I, I hate loping yeah. circles. Yeah. 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 And so, um, so I'll, I I will lope one down, but, um, if you, so let's say you go, um, you go to a branding and you have to gather or you, or you are day working and, and I've just about Joe, I'm just about where I don't ever day work anymore. I'm going to a branding Saturday and I haven't been to one for years. But anyway, the if you think about the way you go across the pasture, the way you drive cattle, you're you're constantly mixing up the speed. Okay, you're you you're gonna trot for a ways, and then you're gonna walk where you where you're maybe you're in the rocks or something, and then you're you might lope a little bit and. And uh, then you find cattle, and so you gotta you gotta ride your horse a little differently to shape the cattle to the drive, and so all of those things. Well, if you'll lope your horse with that same attitude, I think, okay, I I, I think I think that even helps instead of just instead of just loping one for forty five minutes at at one at one gate, mix mix it up and and do things differently, but. Again, when I said look at the horses that you see loping in a lope in the warm-up area to cut, and they don't have the the kids can't they don't have those options. They can't, you know, they'll get run into if they if they do things differently. So, so you you have to you have and, to. And apply they probably it, have but, no idea what we're talking about, even if you tried to explain it to them. That they're well, that's yeah, that might that might um, be too. But you know, when I when I lope when I lope a horse at home, I, I, I mix it up. I, I keep, like I said earlier, I'm always trying to apply what I would do be doing in a job setting. And, and that's, that brings up another subject. I've had a lot of guys that don't have very nice horses. Tell me they don't have time for what I do because they have a job to do. Well, we're right side by side in the same pasture doing the same job. Uh, when I day work on a horse is when I find out what I may need to work on more at home. But I'm Buster says he job. has guys come over and day work for him and train their horses and they help him out just a little bit. Uh, <laughs> so, but, but you know, I, I, I got to go help uh, sort some, some uh, fall calvers this last week with Dan Hansen. And you okay. know, Dan's got a couple of world championships and non-pro. And I tell you what, that man sorts cattle 
with less effort and more precision than anybody I've ever seen. You know, as, as exactly. just he is yeah. so precise and reads cattle so well, and his horses the slightest movement, and he can just shut the shut the flow of cattle down and handle cattle. You know, so much better. Yeah. And when then anybody else that was helping me, you know, me included, mm-hmm. I, and, and yeah, I just watched him going like, wow. So, you know, that's, yeah. that's what you have to do to be a world champion. You have to be, you have to understand cattle that well. And, yeah. and, and he yeah. wasn't fast about anything. Just, he just, it was just like, he was at one with the whole process. And, yeah. and, and that was, I, that really meant a lot to me to watch. Yeah, so um, you you go to the places where handling cattle is is just a fist fight, and I um, when I went I when we moved to Colorado, I worked for John Welch, who's Buster Welch's nephew, and he he was showing in the non pro at the time. Um, and was successful, but we would, uh, he would have his boys with him and we would, uh, we would hold up cattle. So maybe, maybe something had gotten mixed, maybe the steers and heifers or something he tried to keep separate. And so we would hold up cattle in the corner and with those kids, by the time we were, by the time we were done, there'd be there'd be some of the cattle would be laying down not because we'd been there that long because they were that comfortable and and uh and i've day worked other places where everyone carried fence pliers you know because (laughs) because after you you sorted that's what you were going to be doing you know it was just it yeah and it's it's just uh and so I wouldn't, I wouldn't know if it's changed, but I, I tell people sometimes one of the things I miss about the West coast or being around the great basin people like Tom Marvel, uh, like George Dines, um, was that, uh, or Newt, Newt Wright was instrumental, but that handling livestock and good horsemanship go hand in hand and that that's that's getting harder to find all the time and again here i here i sound pompous and critical but but uh if if people if folks would just understand to back it off a notch when they when they get in the livestock it would go better well, and, and one of one of my close friends is a guy named Wade Black, and who who's oh. that's Martin Black's kid. And, yeah, and, and Wade teaches at the college here in in Ontario. Um, and, yeah, and and he his his mission is to help young people learn stockmanship and horsemanship and prepare them for jobs in in the equine and in the livestock industry. Because, you know, as yeah. he puts it, it's not taught in school and, and where yeah. and, and there's a huge demand for for people to come work in 
on cattle operations or in feedlots and or in horse training facilities, and, and they don't have the basic skills necessary for them to to be effective. They, they just make everybody, yeah. you know, irritated. Well, it's not their fault yeah. if they're not if they're never put in a position where they can learn these things. I mean, I've spent 58 years trying to figure out what little I know. Imagine trying to yeah. be, you know, the 20, 22 year old me, I, I'd get fired for, from any ranch in Nevada at that age, you know, and, and they could probably <laughs> tolerate me now. Yeah. 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 No, it's, uh, <clears throat> He, and, and then it's so nice to see someone like Wade, who's who's who has those kind of ambitions and goals. And and uh, I've I met him years ago. He wouldn't remember it, but Wade and uh, Martin introduced us, and uh, and then I've watched him like on the road to the horse deal and stuff, and and very very impressive. And, and and you know what is, I mean, I have the ultimate respect for his ability with horses, but his his greatest attribute is what a good man he is to his family and to his kids. He he yeah. is yeah. he is truly honest to God, the real deal. Um, yeah. He lives, you know, he lives. He doesn't just talk a game. He he lives it with his horses, with his dogs, with his wife, with his kids. It, he is yeah. consistent. Yeah. And, and yeah, I I think uh, he, I think it's just I I mean there, there you have to ride a long ways to find somebody like that. Yeah. 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 It's uh it's a uh, it's really a a pleasure when you do run into those individuals. There's there's several I can name, and if I name them, I'll offend someone else. But for not, it, right? Uh, it it really it really is it really they're they're still they're still around, you know. It's they're still around, and and so that's that's good. And and, and, uh, and that's part of my my mission is is to is to make you know because where are you gonna where are you gonna hear a conversation like the one that you and I have had today? Um, there's, you know, I, it's hard for me to believe, but I'm, I'm old now. And, you know, the kids, the kids that I know, the young people I know, they, they aren't, they weren't ever exposed to even the things that I've been exposed to. Um, yes. You know, they don't, they don't, I mean, when Buster Welch was on Yellowstone, you know, most of the people I know had no idea who he was. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, if we're not for Taylor Sheridan, you know, they still wouldn't. Right. 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 So. Um, I guess I guess always, you know, going back to your going back to your very first question. Um, while while the the horse training deal was a means to an end. My, my desire, what I, I think always was to be a good cowboy. 
And I'm, I'm not sure I ever achieved that, but I have so much respect for the people who, who were good cowboys and became, became successful in the horse deal, whether they were the clinicians or the horse trainers, you know, the Buster Welch basically raised an orphan. I mean, his grandparents raised him. Um, I'll probably thank others when we're done, but um uh while while Ray Hunt didn't do it in the show pen so much, he certainly had a had a successful career in life and right and, you can't uh, you can't I, argue the fact that he revolutionized horse training for the general public. I mean he his I, teachings have have reached so many people. I mean, were not for him there wouldn't be a Pat Pirelli. There, there wouldn't be a John Lyons. It, it didn't ever yeah, really occur to any of those guys to go teach, you know, regular people how to have a horse and not get killed. Yeah. So while he, while he credited Tom Dorrance for so much, Tom Dorrance wouldn't have done what, what you just are talking about. Right. That, that no. wasn't his, that wasn't his, his style or even his awareness. And so, yeah, there, there had to be a Ray. Um, and, uh, and with anyone that's, that's successful, there's people that are going to be critical, but, um, my goodness, I've heard people be critical of Gary and Buster and, and, uh, my word, uh, you can't, you just can't um you, you you have to i think you have to give credit to what they accomplished um you know lindy birch my goodness the the things she the things she did as a woman in basically a man's sport uh, oh absolutely uh, sandy collier sandy collier and and uh and now sarah dawson and and uh Morgan Cromer setting the world on fire. Yeah, the winning, the winning that those women have done, and and then you know I got a little off track because I was thinking of the men, but uh, I think about Kenny Pugh. Kenny Pugh had a had a good career, won the snaffle bet. He, um, I think, if I can't remember the whole story, but uh, I I spent quite a bit of time with him and he was always nice to Sylvie and I, and I want to say his first show horse was, he was on a ranch in Idaho that the guy had an Appaloosa stud maybe. And, and Kenny, Kenny talked him into letting him show it. Now I, that might not all be accurate, but it was something like that. You know, it was something like that where he didn't Jack Adams, my goodness, Jack Adams' life story, that, uh, his first memory was his dad, his dad was a, was a hardworking guy, got in some trouble, but his dad was cutting cedar posts in New Mexico for eight cents a piece, okay, and Jack Adams, he, he said, I had, one toy and my sister, I had a, I had a little truck and my sister had a doll and that was it. And, and, uh, and to think what, you know, he wound up 
selling a horse for over a million dollars and uh you know what what storied careers and so uh, i'm just i'm just thankful that i got to know those people and i have so much respect for what they did and so i was um i think it was last well it's been a couple it's been a month ago i listened to um dale brisby interview boots o'neill you know that guy that guy that guy went to a camp when he was 16 years old and he never left right (laughs) oh that's that's just incredible when you think and i'm i'm ter i was terrible guilty of of it as a young man but all i did was complain i was never satisfied i wanted to achieve more and and those guys they 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 were they just were happy to be good at what they did and there's yeah, a lot he, to be said boots for- is still just a cowboy at the sixes yeah yeah newt newt right you know he he uh he he rode bulls and uh but and he told me about it but he would he would skip a good rodeo because he could make a hundred dollars a day picking oranges you know he just he just wanted to be he was good at picking oranges (laughs) (laughs) you know he would and he was a great horseman joe i i don't know if this is getting off track but i had there was a colt that had been ruled off the racetrack at greg's a black a black gelding i can still see and he'd been ruled off the racetrack i don't know who owned him but anyway i was riding him and it wasn't much fun and he 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 was pretty worried not and i and i wasn't i didn't know much and and but i was the one riding him and so one day one day we're uh it's probably late in the day because i think he was probably my last horse and i rode up by the tack room and greg stepped out and said something to me and this colt blew up and uh he bucked the length of the shed row before i got him pulled up and and uh and and greg said when i got back up by the tack room greg said something about you know how often does that happen or something i said look it's not going good but that's the first time he's bucked with me but it's not going good so the next morning i get to work and greg said hey don't worry about the black colt newt's going to be here in a couple of days i didn't know newt but he said newt wright's going to be here in a couple of days well long story short newt went back to the basics I'd get to work about seven in the morning and and Newt would have that colt in the breaking pin and he'd be doing all the flagging and and roping him and things I'd never seen. We didn't we didn't do that. And and uh before he left, anybody in the world could have gotten on that colt and rode him around. And and now to me that's horsemanship. And I never achieved that. But, uh, but Newt, Newt just, he went back to the basics and, and got some things established that other people like me were skipping and that horse needed. And, uh, 
and it, it was and while I never while I say I never achieved all of that I have great appreciation for the people that can do it now the problem is where the criticism comes in is name a great horse that Tom Dorrance had you can't because that wasn't that wasn't his that wasn't his goal okay but he right. dealt with everybody's problem horses right. you know he that that's where his that's that's where his reward came was making it better for the horse and so one so, of the guys uh, i interviewed made a he made a rightful a rightful criticism of road to the horse he said name me one one horse that's come out of that road to the horse deal that's ever won anything. And, and, and you can't, but then again, if you think about it, that's not the point of that event. That's not why it yeah. was developed. I mean, if they were trying to make world champions, they wouldn't wait until March of their three-year-old year to halter break them. You yeah. know, you, yeah. <laughs> you'd, you'd want to have them halter broke a lot sooner than that and, and probably be on them about, you know, June or or May of their two year old year. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's not a fair con it's not a fair criticism. No, you know, much, much no. the same of, no. you know, Tom Dorrance never. I mean, he wasn't trying to win a fraternity. He, he was just right. trying to help horses. So I remember the first time I ever got to go to the Futurity. I'd never heard of Dorrance's. I don't even remember what my first horse would have been there. But we were sitting visiting some people, and I don't know who it would have been, but somebody brought up the Dorrance's, and I'd never heard of them. So they were, I'd never heard of them. And they, but this, whoever this was, I think it might have been Rick and Janet Bellwood. Uh, who we had known in Montana and uh, they said something about well the, you know the, the Dorrance's don't like this because they say you should be doing all of this stuff in within 10 days if you if you did your your basics right now that might not be an accurate quote but I lost my mind because I knew how hard it was to get one there and I said, you can't tell me there's somebody who thinks they'd be doing this all in 10 days. No, no. See, I had misunderstood. But that a horse, a horse with 10 rides could be exposed to what the end goal is. Does that make sense? Okay. Yes. That in, that in 10 rides, you would, you would, you would have, you would have a horse that carried himself correctly and balanced and, and that could follow a cow around and was learning to establish control of a cow and things like that. So I can, so I can I show you of a, a video of a horse that, that is, is it the, the in Wade's program at the college that has got 15 rides and the lady riding him was was tracking a steer and had been roping the dummy sled on him and and he yeah. has the foundation to to be working cattle and opening and closing gates and you know does he just you know will he turn around and will he uh slide to a stop no but he has that foundation yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So my reaction was, well, if those guys think they're so damn good, why aren't they here? And I'd never heard of them. And I didn't know they were already in their sixties and on right. and on and on. But, but yeah, I just, I just totally misunderstood what the, what they were saying. Cause I, because from the, from my perspective, I just knew how hard I had worked to get there and, and nobody was going to tell me they were going to do it in 10 days. <laughs> right. Until at least, and, and really until Nick Dowers came along, I kind of questioned it. Um, but, yeah. but Nick kind of made a believer out of me. And, but to be fair, I'm not convinced he would have been as successful as he was or is had he not spent two years with Annie and, and learned you know, what this show application, where his, where these horses had to actually be to be shown. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that, that brings to mind, I have so much respect or so much admiration for how well those top tier guys ride. So, and and there's a there's a young man, and he's he's probably, I suppose he's nearing fifty now. So, but but he, I've been around him quite a bit, and and so if 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 I go over to his place, he he will almost always ask me to work a cow, on on his colts and when i when i get on them i am amazed at how they respond now i i have to walk them around for five or ten minutes till they get over some of that because because i don't want them to react to me the way they they do him so i i don't work a cow until they've kind of numbed up <laughs> numbed up right. a little bit but I am amazed when I get on his horses how they how how sensitive how sensitive they are and uh and and so for me, I'm just gonna get in trouble but uh you know what the feel that a Zane Davis must have or Corey Cushing's or Chris Dawson, the feel that those guys must have and and you have to be you have to do it consistently and and uh, apply it to the each individual and so i i just i would I, have I'm never just, i would have never believed zane would be as good as he is had i not seen it with my own two eyes he he and my younger brother were best friends in high school and 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 okay. zane was one heck of a saddle bronc rider um i would have okay. never ever guessed that he would he would ride cow horses but you're you're right he is he just he just rides so well yeah yeah so um if a horse get if a horse gets tight with me meaning if he if i think he's going to hump up or buck or something i i just get tight right back i never could and it used to amaze me how which which Holman, he was just fluid motion on on a tough colt. Ridiculous. I mean, he just flowed 
he just flowed with them and and uh, and he talked about it i mean he talked about it and and i could not do that and yet there wasn't an individual that got tighter through their whole body when when he rode in the show pen <laughs> right <laughs> yeah he com- he completely he came he became a completely different animal when he rode in the show pen oh i i remember i remember i was i was a kid but i i i watched the train wreck um yeah and and, and a nicer guy there never has been um oh yeah, yeah. just and funny oh my lord yeah um yeah Dennis Manning was another guy that that rode saddle bronc horses that I mean could ride a bucking horse and yeah. always struggled in the show ring and and I'm sure yeah. it was the pas- I, I'm sure it was the pressure of you know an eight second bronc ride I think you can you can adrenaline probably gets you through that where you know two and a half minutes of adrenaline would kill you yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember Witch telling us one time that uh, when he first started, uh, it must have been a practice pen or something right there at KC, because those, those in their high school, they rode Bronx for PE. And so um, he said the first three or four I got on, I thought you had to be real. I thought you had to be real tight or real, real stout. And he said, I. I'd go out there three jumps and land right on my chin. And he said, finally, I realized I wasn't enjoying that very much. And I just learned to go with them. Well, how many guys figure that out in three or four rides? You know, that I sure as hell didn't have it. Incredible. I still have it. I remember Gary Belafonte. Gary Belafont, I think he only took a couple of horses, but he went by himself to Reno. And he had a, must have been a four-year-old little peppy that was pretty bad. And he knew it. And he said the the whole drive out there, by himself, he doesn't have any help. The whole drive out there, he's thinking, how am I going to ride this horse the first morning? And so he just convinced himself, just stay loose like the kids get on him at home. Just stay loose and go with him. So I get there to the practice pen and nobody's, nobody's shown up much yet. He, he, he's there. And uh, he told me about this cult. And he said, uh, he said, I got on him. And he said, I made it about three steps. And I felt, I felt him air up and I stepped right off <laughs> and, and I said, I said, he'd already worked him. So I said, well, well, who wrote him for you? He said, Oh, I waited till Farron showed up. <laughs> <laughs> he, he said, Farron, get on this horse for, him. I said, what Farron do? He said, Farron just whipped him down the hind leg with his reins and loped off. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! If you oh, if yeah. you got to watch the road to the horse last year when when Wade won, I, I that that horse that he won on is the biggest pile of yuck 
I've seen in I I can't believe the four sixes brought that horse to the to the show. And I mean that horse would have bucked anybody but weighed off. I mean Boy, I, don't, I know I I know I, I would not have got on. No, I, I'd have I, I'd have fell off I'd have fell off of him the first time he jumped sideways when he was doing his his trying to get the rope put back on the post on the trail course. Um, I don't know how <laughs> yeah. he how he kept on that and never lost his composure, never stopped talking. Just no, I know that horse would grab. I saw some of that. That horse would grab himself and he'd just act like he nothing happened. And see, that's what I was telling you about earlier. When that happens to me, I'm I'm uh, stepping off and trying to find a kid somewhere to <laughs> get on. Right. Right. I've got a very it. strict I rule. I, I will not own a horse that doesn't have the athletic ability to buck me off. Um, I mean, I am not a bucking horse rider. <laughs> if, no. if if they can get four feet off the ground, I'm I'm probably not going to stick it very long. You know, that's funny you mentioned that because uh, I had guys see me ride that they and I they'd say, "Man, you 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 know you can ride anything," and I said, "Yeah, anything except a bucking horse." And they they right. couldn't believe. It. Well. Uh, I as long as one foot's on the ground, I could get by one. But when all four feet left the ground, to me, that was the worst feeling in oh. the world. I hated that feeling. I, I, I just couldn't. I never did get comfortable with that. And uh, I, and but I think when one's going back and forth, you have a pretty good idea where they're going, and you can flow with them. But uh, that other stuff, oh. I, I never, I never could, I never could do it good. I yeah, had this, I know this, yeah, I had a Palomino mare that, that I took to a sale down in Tremont, Utah, and she was an 80 year old man's hunting horse. When, when, when my, my friend brought, brought her to the, to the ranch for me to ride, he said, don't worry, she's, she's gentle. She's, she's an 80 year old man's hunting horse. She just got back from elk camp. Well, I saddled this mare up and got on her and i didn't even get my right toe turned out and she pile drive me i mean i i oh. hit the ground with all the way to my and i looked up and like who was oh. the 80 year old man casey tibbs and yeah and come to find out he'd been riding her on a center fire rig and had never had a back cinch on her in her whole life well oh. long long story short i kind of get her over that so i take her to this sale in Tremont and Utah. And this mare bucks me off three times, but she wouldn't oh. get out of the way so I could hit the ground. I mean, she flat <laughs> bucked me off three times and I landed right back on her back. And of course, yeah. everybody in the crowd thinks I'm, I mean, they're all hooping and hollering and this bronc ride goes on for like 45 seconds. And, and I'm, I'm scrambling trying to figure out a way to get to the ground. And so after that, everybody thinks I'm this bronc rider and they have no idea. I, I, I just couldn't find the ground. I was bucked off three times. Yeah. 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 No, about it's probably been 10. It's probably been 10 years ago. I, I said that my, that my next buck off is going to be my last one. 
and so it hasn't it hasn't happened so i can still i can still ride but no that's that's just something i never did get comfortable at i never liked it i don't uh and 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 really when i went to work for greg um we didn't start colts like like ray hunt i mean he 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 helped he helped quite a bit in that regard in the years i was there and he he wouldn't come around a lot a couple times a year but anyway um but greg was still getting a lot of colts for the racetrack and if you let those little things buck they'll shin buck themselves and stuff and and uh, they'll hurt their front legs and so mm-hmm. we just we just did whatever we had to do to not let them buck to we just we just messed with them and messed with them and messed with them until they were comfortable, you know, with us. And, and, uh, but we, yeah, you, we just never, Greg's, we just never wanted one to buck. And, and so I, I, oh, and I couldn't have ridden them anyway. Yeah. I, I remember in Montana, uh, I had, I'd started a, a five-year-old, horse for a guy and he lit into me one day and before I rode him but before it was over it's kind of like what you're talking about I'd lost one rein and both stirrups but I was still up there uh-huh. <laughs> yeah so so anyway well Jack I I know that this this is all while it's entertaining for me it's ben- beneficial for for people to to understand, you know what what is really involved in in the, the life of a trainer, in the life of a cowboy, um, you know yeah. much much like you know Taylor Sheridan being the only voice of the West. I, I don't think I don't think most amateur people understand life from the trainer's standpoint. And what what all is involved in, and and the mental pressure that that yeah. trainers undergo, and so I think yeah. this at that very at the very least this will have them have some compassion for the people that they work with, and I also hope that people will seek instruction, um, find someone that that you can communicate with and get help. I know, you know, you've made it very clear. That's how you, you know, you went and got help. There were people that, that coached you with, with what you wanted to accomplish. And, and it, yeah, I know it shortens the learning curve drastically. Yes. Yes. And I, and I think, Joe, I think uh, a single attribute to most of the people that I've mentioned their greatest quality was that they never stopped learning they never they never they never stopped wanting to learn so if if we look at it strictly as trainers I can't I can't begin to name all the trainers that came to Greg's to ride for a day or two and to to get 
uh, not only to get help, but to get ideas and and a and a change in their perspective. And I mean, I I just can't even begin to name them all. And and Greg liked to he he liked to. I mean, he talked about you got to stay home and figure things out, but he also liked to get around different people. And and there was a rancher named Stanley Branco who there I, I saw a Branco. Uh, Stanley never had children, but I saw a Branco, I think he was bulldogging or something the other night on TV. I mean, there's, there, they were just a very established name primarily around the, in the team roping, I think Stanley, uh, Stanley was a rancher, but there were two of his ranch horses that are in the hall of fame, top hand and bar chief. And Greg loved to get around Stanley and and just uh exchange ideas and stuff and of course stanley was he was always giving greg a bad time but but anyway no i think uh, i i think when you uh when i look back when i look back of how when i was 30 years old i was pretty convinced i knew it all and at 70 I I realize I know almost nothing. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think that is uh, I I I told I told some people at the clinic of all of the things I've experienced. There's only two things that I have to have to be able to develop a horse. There's two things as a trainer that I have to I have to instill in my horse. Two things, and, uh, and and it's taken a lifetime. So yeah, I I just think if you if if you just have the perspective, keep keep learning and and learn how to analyze things because not every new idea is going to fit what you do, and uh, and you have to learn how to adapt and 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 incorporate things, but at the same time. Uh, know that there's things that aren't going to work for you so so anyway i hope i hope it helps i i love i love exchanging ideas and i and uh, while i haven't been a horse trainer for a long long time we've we've enjoyed that we've always worked horses and and uh it's been more than recreation it's it's been a pursuit and and uh and we sure we sure enjoy it still i mean sylvie and i are the same age and 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 we're both riding we each have a young horse that we're we're working you know so it's 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 very nice and and to see that bonnie's bonnie's involved and and her her son her son it's been fun to watch him and and uh what they've accomplished and so it's it's very rewarding it's a great lifestyle. Um, yeah. I was yeah. I was visiting with uh, with a dear friend of mine, uh, Joe Joe Woodbury, um, last weekend, and I was telling her that I was writing full time now, and she told me that you know she was glad that I was doing that because she said that was that was always your calling, and. I, I kind of, it kind of checked me up a little bit because when I was young, I, I never thought it was my calling. In fact, I always, always believed I was really horrible at it, but I liked it a lot. 
And so I did everything I could to not, you know, to not do it as a career. Um, But the lifestyle, I think the love of horses and the lifestyle will, will overcome a lot of lack of talent. Um, At least that's what I'm hoping, I'm hoping for. Oh my goodness. If you talk to, uh, if you ever talk to Belafont, uh, one of the first conversations we ever had was that neither of us felt talented. He, he didn't, he didn't feel he was a talent as, as far as af- athleticism or now Greg Ward to him, everything relied on a- athleticism. Okay. That was that was paramount in his approach, and yet I knew I knew I didn't or I didn't feel I had that, and uh, and so like getting back to Gary's comment, if there was one day, one day that I didn't have to work on myself, I'd feel accomplished, and and I and and that's when when I get around people that are are complaining about their horse, I. I I try to in, inject or interject that. Well, what do you? How how what? How are you presenting it? You know, maybe it's like Buster tells a story about the the uh, we might we might be we might be asking with our hands and doing something else with our feet. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. so yeah, you have to be, you have to evaluate yourself constantly. You know, <laughs> what made that horse run off? <laughs> right. Yeah. What? Yeah. People see was all the time. It's like, idea? was it all this idea or was it something? Was right. it something I might have done? One of my favorite comments is when a rider says, my horse won't get off my leg. I never have been able to understand what that meant. Mm-hmm. My horse, my horse won't, my horse won't get off my leg. Well, your your legs hanging there like a two hundred pound side of pork. <laughs> what yeah. are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I can be kind of mean, Joe. Well, <laughs> there's. I mean, I could write a book on 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 my horse won't. Um, my horse won't, my horse won't change lead. My horse won't stop. My horse won't get in the trailer. I mean, there is a thousand freaking things my horse won't do. Um, and, and I'm a huge, huge fan of, of what Chris Cox says. And he says that whatever you tolerate, you encourage. And, Uh and it's, it it really does boil down to that. If, if, (laughs) if my horse won't, then, well, you know, if, if you can't do it when he's turned loose, then maybe your horse just can't do it. But I, yeah. I, I don't know if there's very many things that we ask horses to do with us on their back that they can't do if they were turned loose. Um, so most of them will turn if, better with us off their back. If you um, uh, do, you know, do you know who Xenophon is, the Greek? Xenophon. Yes, yes. Okay. So I don't know how to spell it, but I know the first letter is an X. And he was the first one that that 
wrote or recorded anything concerning the horse and horsemanship and and I I've never I'm I can't tell you I've read Xenophon but I do have a couple of little things that that he wrote but the the one that always sticks in my mind is he wrote that everything that is natural to a to the movement of a horse becomes unnatural when mounted. And if you think about that, the horse, the horse knows how he needs or has to move, but then he, we, we, we have to learn to ask for those movements while, while he's carrying us. Okay. So that's, that's a whole, that, that's the crux of the, of the problem in, in our training is to be tolerant while that horse learns to do that with us on him. Cause he already knows how to do it. Okay. He knows sure. how to move. He knows how to move. Now we, we might be able to help him move better, but he knows how to move, but then he's got to learn it while he carries us. And so, so it, and and I've never I I learned that in college. That that was one of the first things I ever heard concerning the training of a horse. So anyway, well, Jack, I probably had let let her better let you get get home to to dinner. Okay. I I am so okay. delighted that we got to talk. Um, oh, it's been great. I've, I've enjoyed this immensely. Yeah, it's been great. And, and I and I told you it would. I told you it would be good. I I just I know you. I know you well enough to know that that this is exactly this is exactly what I expected, and I I so appreciate it. And, well, and everyone everyone will enjoy listening. I know. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a lot of fun for me, and uh, and uh, uh, I hope I hope the I hope there's positive feedback for you. That that'd be wonderful. I'm I'm sure there will be. Now, are there are are there any clinics that you've got planned for the summer? Are you? I mean, can oh, can we no. can we plug what you do just a little bit, or what what are you what are no, your plans got, for the next few months? No. Uh, Joe, there, there's a, there's a group and I've, I've kind of, uh, I don't have anything with them this year. There's a ver little versatility group that's, that's, uh, here in Colorado that I've done things for in the, in the past years, but no, I don't, I don't do, uh, I, no, I don't do any clinics or anything. I mean, I would, but, um, uh, here's what I run into Joe. I'll get somewhere and everybody wants to go fast and, and there, and I just don't think we're ready for that. And, and so I go, I get things so slow. And if in, if in a day, if I can accomplish that, they felt their horse move with a cow where they didn't do anything. They just sat there. And the horse wanted to go with a cow. That's a that's huge for me. And most people don't really relate to the importance of that, the value of that. Okay. So, no, I could see that. 
my clinics aren't uh no i haven't done a i haven't done an individual i mean a clinic that i organized or put together i haven't done one i don't even remember the last time yeah i i wouldn't even remember <laughs> but uh that's a shame no, that is I, truly a shame well i still get to uh i i still get to judge some ranch horse contests and i i value that and and they've come a long ways and and uh i still have my rain cow horse approval although um that's the one i probably never should have let lapse because i i i could really enjoy judging with tom buckingham and and uh now ingersoll's judging where he couldn't before and and I, I could enjoy that. And yet I let my approval lapse for 20 years. And so it's it's hard to work your way back up. But I, uh-huh. did, I still do have I still do have my rain cow horse approval. Um, but no, I, things are. Things are pretty quiet. And uh, uh, I don't I can't even tell you, like, I think I mentioned we have a club cutting coming up and. Um, Bonnie will probably have a show. She'll probably enter something where she wants me to come turn back for her or something. And so things like that, that's about it. Yeah. But like this, so like this year in May, I got to judge the RHAA finals again at Abilene. And this year I judged with Bozo who took my position as director of judges for the RHAA. And it's just it's a 300 member association, but the the caliber of horses has gotten or showmanship has gotten steadily better. Where uh, you're gonna you're gonna get to see um, uh, like Robert Forrest and and uh, Kelsey Thomas and Trip and and uh, there's gonna, I'm forgetting some, but there's gonna be some really good individuals and to judge with bozo uh this year it was really good for me because i hadn't judged with what you'd consider i and i don't know how they classify him anymore but he'd be a top tier judge he'd be a he'd Mm -hmm. be one that judges major events and so that was really good for me to to get to do that and and uh so when you get to do things like that it it it, I appreciate it, and and I, I I love my contact with that with that type of people that still have uh, what we'd call earthy roots. You know, I, I right. enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. So, but Joe, this has really been fun. I really appreciate it. Me, me too. Please, please give your lovely bride a hug for me, and and tell her thank you for for being patient. Um, I'm okay. sure she's got stuff for you to do when you get home. Oh, we're kind of getting a, a we're, we're we're it's not a it's not a lovely evening here in the Midwest. It's <laughs> yeah, of, it didn't sound like it. A, yeah, I mean the hail one deal went over and now it's just blowing hard. And so anyway, but yeah, thanks a lot, Joe. I appreciate yeah. it. Tell your mom. Thank you. Yeah, I will, yeah. Jack. Thank you very much. Talk to you again okay. soon. Okay, goodbye. Bye-bye.
I'm going to be honest with you folks. Jack is the most thoughtful and intelligent horseman you will ever have the chance to listen to. You can just feel the wisdom and thinking behind everything he says. Like all great horsemen, he is humble and kind, but I promise you, if you ever get the chance to ride one of his horses, you're in for a huge treat. Thank you again, Jack, for being so generous with your time, and thank you, Sylvia, for sharing him with us. Thank you so much for joining me on Horse Sense 101, a podcast dedicated to helping you have that meaningful relationship with your horse you always wanted to have. Please tell your horsey friends about us and invite them to join us on our Facebook group, Horse Sense 101. And every Monday for our podcast available at 6 a.m. Mountain Time. I am also grateful for you, my listeners, and my wife and friends who help make this podcast possible. God bless you all, and have a wonderful rest of your week. Up in Story County, the Mustang still runs free. Eagle soars above the pinion pines. And we know these horses stand for something. That is precious and more rare Than all the silver and the gold From them old mines So let them run Let them run Let them wild ponies run Don't you brand them, don't you break them Don't you let the killers take a sand